There will be a day, Lord, when you will come and there will be no more storms. There will be no more separation. There will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more disunity. There will be no more lying. There will be no more hurt. There will be no more anything that is bad. There's a day coming when you're going to call your church home. And Lord, we look so forward to that day. To leave all of this behind. To know as we are known. To know each other in ways that we, we just can't get down here as a church family. As close as we may be in that place gathered around your throne. We will know you and we will know each other so much more intimately. Lord, we long for it. But Lord, we don't give up our responsibility now. Our responsibility to lay aside those hindrances, those sins that ensnare us to put aside disunity and lying, to weather storms, to, to come together in times of hurt, in times of need, in times of pain, to be a church family for ourselves and for the rest of the community and the rest of the world. To let them see what the flow of love from God looks like in the most hopeless of circumstances. Lord, may we, First Baptist Church of Sulphur, Louisiana, be an example of what it means to go through storms, literal physical storms, and literal spiritual storms and come out as sanctified, holy believers unified as the family of faith. And then let us point to the power that allows that to happen, the power of Jesus in us. Not, not willpower, not finances, not buildings, not anything, but God working through us. We are weak and miserable and not good at those sorts of things, but through the strength that you provide, Lord, we can be so much bigger, so much beyond what we ever think we could be. God, do that to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, good. i got plenty of time. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 50. In our D group readings... If you've been keeping up better than me, we've moved through the end of Genesis into Exodus at this point, and some of our faith life discussion, as spotty as that is, thanks to internet and cell phone providers, 
number of comments were, were made and, and, and discussions happened and I, I, I've moved on from Nehemiah now if you've watched the, the online devotionals the last few weeks and, and now it's, it's Genesis and Joseph that's speaking to me. Somewhere I have sermon notes. One of those instances where you put them in a place where you'll remember them. If, if I've got a title, it's don't blow the opportunity. If I have a theme, it's that God wants to use this to work miracles. Now, what am I talking about? Where am I getting that? Genesis 50, verse 20, and, and, and Exodus 1, 6 are the two verses we're going to look at briefly this morning. Now, if, if you kept up with your reading, or if you've just been, you've learned the Bible stories over the years, you know Genesis 27 through 40 uh, recounts Joseph spending years as a slave, highs and lows, but always a slave. As a matter of fact, even though he had a position of power by the end of it in Egypt, he, he got that position through slavery. He was never an Egyptian. He was always something different from, from where he, he ministered. But 27 through 40 gives us these years that he spent as a slave, which was actually the, the second option to being murdered. So I'm guessing he was fine with, with choice number two versus choice number one. And, and through it all, it was because of his brothers primarily and then also his own arrogance that got him in that position. God knew, of course, God knew all that was going to happen. He knew, God knew how he was going to use all of that, but there's always the human responsibility, and the brothers are responsible for wanting to murder him. Thankfully, Judah said, that's a bad idea. Maybe we could just sell him, and they did, and he went off to Egypt. But when we get to chapter 50, Jacob, the father, has died, and the brothers just know that Joseph is going to use all that's happened over the years and now his unchecked power in Egypt to exact his revenge. They've been expecting it because that's what they would do. Clearly, they didn't know their brother very well, or they would have known that wouldn't have happened, and there are reasons they didn't know his brother. They'd sold him off to slavery for the last 30 years, or whatever it was. And so they, they go to him, and they, and, they, and they beg him and say, please don't uh, hurt us, forgive us. And they, they throw it back on Jacob and say, our father asked that we would come and t tell you this, that you would forgive us and, and everything would be okay. And Joseph's response, chapter 50, verse 20. You planned evil against me. God planned it for the good, for good, to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. 
Now, obviously, there's not a one-to-one -one correlation here. Nobody caused Hurricane Laura. There are certainly debates about climate and that sort of thing, but directly, it wasn't a group of three or four guys, or 11 guys, 10 guys in this case, that caused Hurricane Laura. So there's, there's not a one-to-one -one correlation. But when we look around, we see a hurricane and the results of it as evil. And in fact, hurricanes are merely, if I can say merely, the result of a sinful, fallen world. Had, had Adam and Eve not sinned, uh, then, then I don't believe hurricanes would have happened. It's just a result of the earth groaning. I've done, between last Saturday and yesterday, I've done four funerals. Um, and, and one of the things I have said in each of those funerals is I've talked about original sin, uh, the, the sin of Adam and Eve, and, and, and discussed briefly with, uh, with those crowds of people the fact that it doesn't seem fair that we suffer for what Adam and Eve did. And it, and it certainly doesn't seem fair that while maybe I'm a sinner, okay, it, kind of got that, but why does creation have to foul everything up and attack us too? Hurricanes here, wildfires, uh, wildfires in California, and earthquakes, and then they'll get blizzards probably this winter in the northeast that will knock out power and people will die from. The creation groans and sins, sadly, just like, like we do, because it's part of the team. One of the things I would say in the funerals is, just like with a football team, when one player commits a penalty, the whole team is penalized. It's pass interference. It's not just that player that has to back up 15 yards, or in the case of defense, has to give the offense 15 yards. It's the whole team has to move. It's just the way it is. That's God's law, and it cannot be changed. And part of God's law at the garden after the sin was creation is going to fight too. Creation is not going to work with you. It's going to work against you. Fast forward to Hurricane Laura. But though it's not a one-to-one, -one, though it's creation and sin and, and not a group of ten guys, I think it's close enough. Because like I said, we see and we understand Hurricane Laura and any storm, both literal and uh, figurative, to be a result of sin. And we, we know that and we, we comprehend it and our heart knows it. And so when we read this passage, I think we can safely, without doing any damage to Scripture, just read it simply as... What happened that was evil, God planned it for good. I don't think I'm doing too much that my seminary professors would fuss at me about. What, what happened that was evil, God meant it for good. And he didn't just mean it for good. Let's look at the, and this is probably the, the crux of this passage for the survival of many people. Now, some of your translations will say salvation. And that's a much more beautiful 
picturesque word, especially for evangelicals who believe in the salvation of the soul through faith in Jesus Christ. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's not that kind of salvation it's talking about, at least not directly. Directly at this moment, it's the physical survival of the family of Joseph, the family of Jacob. But we know that from his brother Judah will come the line that will bear our Savior. So in a sense, many generations later, not only was this the survival of the family, but this was the salvation, at least potential, of all people. So Joseph spoke to what he did not yet know, what his brothers had intended for evil. The evil that had occurred, God was going to use for good to bring about the survival, yes, even the salvation of many people. The salvation of people right here in this room. And he knew that. Joseph knew that. Joseph saw that. Not thousands of years into the future, but he saw right then that what they had done, what they had planned, what had happened to him for the past 30 years was something that God was going to use. Or maybe it's 20 years. Don't fact check me on the years here. God was going to use to do miracles. Joseph's pain, Joseph understood. This passage tells us Joseph's pain was worth God's miracles. Church family, our pain is worth God's miracles. Whatever he wants to do, though he slay me, it's worth the miracle that he's going to use that to do in someone else's life. It could have just as easily been a tornado ripped through here, and there wasn't anything left. They predicted six feet of water for our church. With the winds, imagine the damage it would have done. It could have been so much worse and may someday be so much worse. And regardless of what it is, our pain is worth God's miracles. Joseph knew that God wants to use the pain to do miracles. God wants to use our pain. He wants to use this gutted shell of a sanctuary to do miracles. How has he done that? How is he preparing us for that? I could think of four ways last night. One, he has given us a clean slate. He has given us the opportunity to start over. Now, we actually, thanks to the pandemic, and now in a large degree thanks to the hurricane, we actually have no opportunity to say this is the way we've always done it. Certainly during the pandemic, we had no way to do what we had always done. They were telling us we, 
We, we couldn't do anything the way we had always done it. Well, the hurricane brings about those opportunities as well. The opportunity to say it's not about the way we've always done it. It's about what God is going to do, what God is going to use First Baptist Church of Sulphur for, what God is going to use our people and these buildings that are tools for ministry, how he is going to use those. The second way that I believe he is preparing to use our pain as a miracle is he has provided the resources to meet all of our needs and accomplish our vision. I've talked about this already some. The beginning of the year, financially, we as a church were looking at a dismal year. Probably coming in some sixty to eighty thousand dollars in the red if we did everything that we had planned to do. And after discussions with stewardship committee and personnel committee and others back in March. We were going to have a business meeting where we talked about that and talked about what was coming and how there, we were just going to push through and pray that the vision God had given us, we were hearing correctly and we were going to do the things we needed to do to grow and to reach our community, knowing the cost, knowing we had some money and savings that would cover it for a year, a couple of years is actually about what we had. Thanks to the pandemic and a paycheck protection program grant, we added about two years to how much money we had reserved. Thanks to a pandemic where we couldn't meet but once a week in buildings, where most of our, all of our expensive ministries, and I say that as like Bible school and uh, a lot of our children's ministries, honestly, no offense to Amy, but they're just, they're just pricey. A lot of our youth things we weren't able to do. So because of that, the, with the grant and then not spending money, our power bill was a quarter of what it normally was per month because we just weren't using the stuff. We added not just a year because of the grant, we added another year because of the savings that we have had. God has provided the resources. And then we come to a hurricane where things get completely wiped out, or nearly completely. It feels completely when you walk in. And we see pain, loss, hurt. But folks, let's not miss the opportunity. We have equipment that was 10, 20, 30 years old, that there have been discussions as long as I've been here about we need to change this, we need to do this, and this is, we're just having to patch this together, and I know we just don't, we just don't have the money. The beautiful thing about insurance companies is that they play, pay for repel, uh, replacement cost, not current value. So something that costs $10 20 years ago, but cost $100 now, we get $100 for, not 10. And, and y'all all know how technology works, right? Right at first, the newest thing's the most expensive. And then after a while, everybody got figures out how to do it, and that newest thing, the price goes down. So everything that will be replaced will be an 
automatic just because of technology, not because of spending more money, just because of technology upgrades. Could we have done that First Baptist Sulphur on our own? Could we have made a decision three weeks ago? Let's upgrade every piece of technology in here and have somebody else pay for it. Would that have worked? This is the motion you should be making. No, we would not have come up with that. But in God's sovereignty, he saw what we see as evil and said, I'm going to do a miracle in the life of that church through it. And it's not just us. It's church after church after church. And, and are there, are there uh, horror stories versus, wow, we get to do it? Yes, not everybody has insurance. But, but folks, that's where the church of Jesus Christ, that's where First Baptist Church Sulphur comes into play again. We have a bus barn full, and, and I'm, I'm talking about like full now, thanks to yesterday, and an 18-wheeler and two trailers, of supplies that we're giving away. I can't tell you how much we've given away. We, I know we fed about 2,500 people just from the cowboy church that came Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, is that right? I know we've given away... 10 to 15 generators, 15 or more, probably more air conditioners. Those are just the big ticket items. Why? Because God is turning our pain into miracles. Yes, some people that have come have taken advantage of us. They will continue to do that. But the stories we have heard, the tears we have seen shed because First Baptist Church Sulphur was merely a conduit for what God was going to do through other people and us has been a miracle that we've gotten to see. And you can see from 12 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Saturday, as you come to volunteer to help. So he's given us a clean slate. He's provided the resources. And y'all, the third one's hard. But the third one is just as true. He has pruned our fellowship to those who seek his will and not their own. I was going to wait and read this, these lyrics. We're going to play a song at the end of the service after we've sung our last song. I've never heard this song before. Amy shared it. This morning, I guess, on, on Facebook. I had never heard this song. It's called Clear the Stage. Clear the stage and set the sound and lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols, jerk the pews and all the decorations too until the congregation's few then have revival. The understanding is that sometimes growth comes through subtraction. That's not good math. That's the kind of math I like because it, 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 can, it can be sound wrong and still be right because that's the only kind of math I do. But that's the kind of math that God does. Very often his subtraction is actually addition. We see that, and we've talked about it before when I preached on the pruning of the vines, that the things that the vine growers, the vine dressers will do to those vines are uh, uh, 
an abomination, it looks like. It is violent the way the vine dressers will cut the vines back to almost nothing, a stump. Or they'll go and they'll cut good leaves and good grapes and good clusters. And anybody who doesn't know what they're looking at would go, that is horrid what you did to that vine. That was good. And the vine dresser said, yes, but that was not great. That was not what was going to bring out the best fruit from that vine. And that's what the vine dresser does to us. We see it again if we go further back to Gideon's army. Gideon, you got a battle to fight. Gideon says, great, i got tens of thousands of men. What, 20, 23,000, something like that? And God says, great, that's too many. Okay, well, let's send a few home. And a few went home, and God says, hmm, still too many. We're going to do this thing where y'all drink out of the river. And if they drink a certain way, keep them. If they drink another way, send them home. And the, the keep pile... Was 300 people. Gideon looks around and says, where did my army go? And God said, I'm your army. You don't need thousands. You need what I give you. Because he's preparing us for a miracle. And lastly, fourth, he is teaching and training us through a steady diet of scripture reading and study. We started doing the D groups the way we do them a year ago now, has it been? But we, we actually tried to start different variations of that two years ago. Our goal has been to get our people into God's word regularly daily and discussing it and reading it for understanding and truth, not just for the habit and the exercise of reading, but to dig in and see things that they've not seen before. My sermons are normally that sort of preaching because that is what changes us. It is the word of God that changes us. Not my stories about what's going on in history or personal testimony. Those, are the, those may serve as good examples at the time. It is God's word that changes us. And he has been doing that for now a couple of years. Teaching and training us through this steady, steady diet to prepare us for the pain that he is going to turn into a miracle. God has been preparing First Baptist Sulphur for Hurricane Laura for much, much longer than our staff meeting on Tuesday before the Wednesday that she blew through that night. And I mentioned that because I happened as I was moving stuff from the house into my office over here, I saw our staff meeting agenda where I had three or four things down at the bottom that I honestly were probably left over from the previous week. But I had crossed them out and written hurricane prep. <laughs> well, we prepped, but, you know, I think we forgot something. A day, really, was all we had to prepare. God, physically, physically, a day was all we had to prepare. We, we turned off air conditioners. We, we unplugged uh, expensive electronics, computers, that sort of thing. John Bridges reminded us that during Hurricane Rita, 
when the stained glass blew out that time that it created a wind tunnel that went into the foyer, down the hall, into the gym, and scattered glass all throughout. So he texted me Tuesday morning or maybe Tuesday afternoon, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, and said, hey, it'd be a good idea to shut all the hallway doors and stairwell doors and shut all the doors. And so we did. I texted Misty, hey, Misty, can you just shut all the doors? And it worked. We, I mean, we, it, didn't, it kept glass from getting everywhere. Um, we had some other issues. But, but a day to prep. God has been preparing us spiritually long before that. God has been prepared for this moment since eternity began, if eternity could have a beginning. So he's given us this clean slate, he's provided the resources, he's pruned our fellowship, and he's been teaching and training us through his word for this moment. But church, we've got to be careful. There's always a warning. There's always a danger in every opportunity. And all we have to do is turn one page in our Bible to Exodus 1 verse 6. I'm sorry, it's actually verse 7. Six starts it, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation eventually died. Verse 7, but the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. And what it doesn't say here, we learn elsewhere, is they lived there over 400 years. To quote Tom, they got fat and happy. And they sat. Somebody tell me where the promised land was. I can't hear what you're saying. Israel was the promised land Egypt. Was, the, was Egypt where God promised Abraham's family would be and where they would grow and become a blessing to all nations? The answer is no. That was not where they were supposed to be. That was a plan right then. Egypt was a fresh start, a blank slate. It was an opportunity for survival, but it was a means, not an end. It was an opportunity for them to get prepared for what they had to do, be a missionary people among the pagans in their home of Israel, in their land. And yet they sat. And if we keep reading, we find that the result was a disaster. Firstborn sons killed. All the sons killed. That the, the, the Egyptians could get their hands on. And then slavery. And then uh, uh, increased workload and, and over and over it, the burden got greater and greater because they had missed their opportunity. I don't know when they were supposed to go home. I don't pretend to know. I just know Egypt was not their home. And I have a feeling they should have left sooner. 
But they had taken that fresh start and they had made that fresh start the end and not the means. For us as a church, a new interior and a blank slate are not the ends. And they are not for us. They are for the vision of making disciples. This is to make disciples. The gym is to make disciples. The children's building is to make disciples. The adult education is to make disciples. The youth is to make disciples. Everything we do, our very purpose, our reason for existence is to make disciples. So every tool in our tool belt, every activity, every dollar we spend should in some way lead back to that very purpose of making disciples. And we cannot miss the opportunity to use this moment of pain or to, to allow God to use this moment of pain to do a miracle. To do things we would not have imagined, things we would have never done if left to our own devices and would not have been able to do had he not provided the resources necessary. I'll end with this. We'll, We'll go back to where we began in Genesis 50, 20. Joseph said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good and the survival, the salvation of many. I believe if we make this moment, this, and by moment I mean next six months-ish as we rebuild. If we make this about us, about our wants, about our desires, desires, about our comforts, about our preferences, and we don't make it about the mission, if we don't make it about the vision, if we don't make it about what God is going to do in our community, through us, through these tools and resources He has provided, if we make it about us, we will have flipped what Joseph told his brothers. Joseph told his brothers, what God meant, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. If we make this about us, we will be telling God, what you meant for good, we turned to evil. And there will be no blessing, there will be no miracle, there will be no discipleship, there will be no soul saved because we have squandered an opportunity. First Baptist Church, let's not squander this opportunity. Let's keep our eyes on the vision and the mission to make disciples of all people. And every nail that goes in this place, every stroke of a paintbrush, is one more small piece of how we as a church are going to make disciples of all people. That's my prayer. And I pray that is your prayer too. Pray with me. Father, thank you, God, that you can make miracles from pain, beauty from ashes, faith from fear. God, you can do things, well, duh, you can do things that we cannot do and we can't imagine, and you can use 
situations and circumstances in ways that, that God, we, we would have honestly just preferred you to do something else. Either on the pain side or, or sometimes even on the miracle side. Sometimes the miracles make us even more uncomfortable than the pain. We're, we're used to the pain sometimes, but the miracles are what scare us. Change, Lord? No. God, change us from the inside out. Use this time to do something phenomenal with this church. In this church and through this church. Lord Jesus, may we not squander this opportunity. Lord, don't let us blow it. May our focus be on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would love for you to pray for our church. I would love for you to pray for the rebuild committee that we'll be voting on tonight. And I would love for you to take this opportunity as we sing this next song to do it at your chair. I mean, if you want to come up here and kneel on the same dirty concrete that's right underneath you right now, you can. Nothing special about that 20 feet. But I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray for your staff. It's not about us. It's not about the three, four, five, six of us, depending on who's here, here on whatever day. But if, if, if I've got to rank my house and my church my family and my church family, y'all are number two, okay, just so you know. People and building. It's a very close number two. So, <clears throat> I can tell you for a fact our staff is carrying a double burden right now. So we would love your prayers. The next six months, the past six months, y'all, as I said in the video yesterday, it will be a year before anything's like normal again for us. A year from this past March to, to the next whatever normal it will be. So I'd ask that you would pray. Pray for that committee, the decisions they'll be making. Pray for all of us that we will all focus on the vision, the mission, that's it. That's what matters. How can, we meet, how can we reach more people for Jesus? That's the question that every decision should try to answer. So I ask for your prayers. Where you sit, where you stand, come forward. We're going to worship right now. When that song is over, we're going to play the song that I read a few of the lyrics from earlier. Probably going to play it again next week, but with the video so you can actually see the lyrics and it'll be a little easier.